from the Nightcast. This is a time where we're going to go a little deeper. I don't always have time to explain the why in an email or even in a state of the school video or right. something that comes out. But it helps to know why are we doing what we're doing? Uh, where did this action come from? Where did this outcome? Why are you doing this? This is a time for us to go a little deeper on that. So this is our first episode. And to, to kick it off, we're just going to start with state of the school. Uh, we put out a video yeah. each year where we talk about where we've been, where we are now, and where we're going. And we're just going to debrief that a little bit and talk about some of those issues. So I got uh, Bryce Ballard with me today. He's, Hello. Yeah, yeah. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming <laughs> on, man. Uh, we spent so much time together. It's kind of weird to think of you as a guest. Yeah, uh, here we are. But uh, the today we're going to talk about kind of what happened in the state of the school. We're going to debrief a little bit on the change in the mission statement. Uh, it's a big one. Yeah, that's a big <laughs> one. Uh, and then we're going to talk a little bit about uh, discipleship, discipline, house systems, just all things student services, and, and talk a lot about what you went over uh, in brief on this day of the school. Sure. So mission statement change. We made, a, we made an adjustment. Uh, we changed out a word. Um, and you know, when we look at the change of the mission statement, we weren't trying to change where we're going. Right, uh, right. We were just trying to say like, who are we actually? And when we broke down that statement, the first statement says, uh, that Providence Academy achieves academic excellence and spiritual maturity. Right. Right. And when we really, we spent about, I don't know, 28 years in that mission statement. And then when we came up for it's a air, long time, that's it's, a, it's <laughs> almost, I was one. Yeah, I was one year old. Say, uh, I was eleven, but whatever. Uh, at that point, um, when we t- when we came up for air and we're like, let's look at this a little bit more closely. Yeah, we saw the word achieve and we connected that verb with spiritual maturity. And then the first thing that popped in my head when I actually took a moment to think about it was was Paul, and he was like, I have not achieved this. Right, right. Uh, and I was like. Oh, we maybe have put an unrealistic expectation on our students to achieve spiritual maturity. Right. Uh, so talk a little, tell me a little bit about that. What does that look like in a student services world? Yeah. I mean, we wanted to be careful in the sense of, we are definitely not saying in that mission statement, I don't think it made it sound like this, but it could be perceived as such that when the students graduate Providence Academy, they have arrived spiritually. Like we talked about a little earlier, they are ready to step into the world and shoot. If they wanted to, they could write a book of the Bible. Yeah. They're like a step ahead of where Paul was when he was writing the epistles. They're like, yeah, they're, they're past that. They are there. They have arrived. And and we wanted to make sure to say, well, not necessarily, No, you know, as we all are on different spiritual journeys and at different paces in our spiritual walk and our Mm. spiritual life. Um, so are our students Mm. and we have some students maybe a little further along, um, in their relationship with the Lord their knowledge of who God is than other students. And so there's a slight tweak there in the word from achieve to develop, because we do want to affirm as a Christian school, Hey, we're coming alongside these parents to help develop our students hmm. in their spiritual walk with Jesus. Yeah. And no way have we like abandoned that battle. No, field. not at all. Uh, and we actually switched those to putting 
uh, spiritual maturity, developing spiritual maturity first. Right. Uh, we really want to say that is our, our one of our big focuses. Not saying that we're abandoning academic excellence either. Right. We, don't right. want, we don't want people to be like, <gasps> should we have that caveat? No longer, yeah, that, that's that is, we're not trying to de-emphasize academic excellence in any way. But yeah. we are saying, you know, developing spiritual maturity is that's why we're here. Right. Uh, that's what we're doing. That's what the business that we are about is investing in these kids and their walk with Jesus and knowing him more. Right. Pointing them to Jesus at every corner, at every turn. And another thing we want to affirm there when we made this switch is that what we're also not saying is that, hey, when when you become a Christian, when you come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, everything that's Christ's is yours. Like mm. that, that is clear. Like I am now a child of God. Mm. Uh, Christ lives in me. Christ dwells in me. I die to self and live to Christ. So we wanted to affirm that as well. But with the balance of, man, it's a relationship mm. and I am walking with Christ and I am learning more about Christ and I am learning more exactly like what that means when I say that everything that's Christ is mine. And as mm. more of that is revealed to me, as I know him more, man, the depths of that spiritual maturity just grows and grows and grows. Mm. So it is developed in all of us, right? Even when the students graduate from Providence, they haven't stopped developing their spiritual maturity. Um, and I've heard from a lot of alumni that, you know, they, they were at Providence and they gained a lot of head knowledge, but it really didn't click for them, right? Mm. Until they got into the world and stepped out a little bit and started to own their faith a little bit more for themselves. And I'm like, man, I'm glad that we were a part of the process. Yep. They may not have arrived at Providence Academy and they still haven't arrived, nor have we, right, right in our in our spiritual walk, but... Man, we were a part of this, just a small, minuscule moment in their life to point them to Jesus in hopes that that's the reality. When they leave Providence Academy, that development continues. They don't right. feel like, oh, I stepped on this college campus. I have to have it all figured out Yeah, because I'm supposed to have achieved this. Right. <laughs> but hopefully they have the, the tools to continue to develop that. Right. Uh, right. Because if you have those tools in your toolbox of like, okay, this is how I have a walk with Jesus. This yeah. is what this is what reading the Bible looks like not just from an academic standpoint but from a relational standpoint as yeah. God's direct revelation to me like how powerful is that to know that that is there for you and to have practiced that right uh, and walk through that and what does prayer look like in different ways and different forms and and living in Christian community yeah uh, that's the that's the hardest part uh, there's so many people right now are fleeing from community right uh, yeah. the covid kind of really hit that hard and it pushed people and isolated people mm -hmm. and that's where that's where sin just kind of flourishes uh, but when you live in community man that's when the real work happens that's yeah. where the messy things of life kind of come out it's easy to be like okay i'm gonna live with my systematic theology <laughs> and my bible and i don't have to deal with people yeah or live in a relationship need you just in my bible in my basement right yeah uh, <laughs> nobody that, else yeah and that's so tempting right um right. but that's not how God called us to live. Yeah. Uh, he called us to live in community. And so being in a Christian school and working through that is is a place that you can start living that out in a really intense way. There's these two words that really are, are very much the same, yeah. but are used differently. There's discipleship and there's discipline. Uh, and how that plays out at a school uh, is is probably the hardest thing that we do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, sure. Know, it's... it's uh, it's easy if you're a youth leader to be like, hey, here's some pizza. Jesus loves you. I don't have to actually deal with any of the consequences of your sin. Sure. And like 
this is great. Here's a story. Let's play a game. Go home. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's easy sometimes to do that on a Sunday morning. Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah, I heard a message. That's great. Now I'm going to go on living in my sin. Right. And it'd be easy for us to do it as a school too. Oh yeah. Yeah. I would totally. say the easiest thing is to either bring truth or to bring grace. Right. I can bring truth all day long. I can hit you over the top of the head with a Bible and be like, this is sin. <laughs> this is terrible. You know, repent and run. Um, yeah. or I can be like, oh, it's okay. It's full of grace. It doesn't matter. Right. Uh, there's no consequences for your sin and your yeah. life. And just like, you know, let's all have a hug and sing a song. Kumbaya. <laughs> and you can do either of those. And neither of those take the work and relational work. And neither of those things really bring about tension. Yeah. Um, but when you do both of those at the same time, when you bring both truth and grace simultaneously, that is when the work of the gospel's done. Right. Uh, and that is when kids' lives are impacted. Uh, and when we follow that model of how do you do that? Like, how do you do that incredibly hard thing? And that's Jesus. Yeah. Like, how did he absolutely. do it? How did he, how did he bring both truth to the disciples and grace yeah. to those disciples? How did he live in that? And it's in relationship. Right. And he really showed us that those two can't exist without the other. Mm. Right. Like for me to fully understand grace, especially when it comes to discipline and discipleship and those words that float around in our, in our school culture, our student body, for me to understand grace, I have to understand the truth. Mm. And the truth is that I am a sinner. Mm. I am a sinner in desperate need of a savior and in desperate need of grace. Right. Yep. Like I, I, I have to understand that in order to understand grace better and vice versa. If I, if I just have truth without grace, that's not really even truth that's found in scripture because right. also truth is that, yeah, I'm a sinner in need of a savior, but there's also grace offered to me in that savior being Jesus Christ, Mm. you know? And so for us to say discipline and discipleship, they have to coexist. They have to be one. There's these words that can't just be, I'm going to put discipline over here and I'm just going to do this. And I'm going to put discipleship over here and I'm just going to do this. I got to come together. Um, And I know there's a lot of schools that do that. There's a lot of schools that just are like, Hey, we're going to put, discipline over here and we're going to have these people just deal with discipline. We're going to have these people just deal with discipleship. And I think that's ineffective because Mm. then the students just will go and say, well, this person is always nice and always great. And they just love me and show me grace. And this person's always mean. Mm. And all they do is discipline me and they never see how the two coexist. Yeah. They don't equate love and discipline at the same time. Uh, because yeah. that, what that looks like, and I often have to say this is like, if this discipline protects you yeah. in the future, if mm-hmm. this is the worst consequence you face for right. this action, that's the best thing that can happen to you because the destruction of what you're doing, if you continue down that road without yeah. turning, it is, it's greater than you could imagine bearing. Right. Uh, but a suspension from a day of school, like, that's that's a small blip in your radar. Yeah. If that gets your attention and says like, hey, wait a minute, God's calling me to so much more, right. calling me to a fuller life than this. Because there's there's this concept, this word of freedom. Yeah. Uh, and uh, America's hijacked that word and they've exchanged it for license. And it's just do whatever you want. Right. And we know No that consequences no for con- any actions. No, no <laughs> consequences. And just like 
you do you and yeah. YOLO, be yourself. Like <laughs> YOLO, even, do they still use that word? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think the youths. Uh, and you, you even see it in Disney movies, like follow your heart. Yeah. But someone that's yeah. been trained to be free and has been trained to balance this truth and grace, they know that if you follow your heart, that that is the fastest road to slavery that you could, you will be a slave to your sin. If not years, then months, if not right. months, then weeks, and if not weeks, then days. And, and Jeremiah 17, 9 is very clear. And when I quote this verse, I want to make sure to say, we're not saying that emotions are bad. Mm. And we're not even saying that always following our heart is bad, mm. but our heart is fallen. Just like everything else in our life because of the sin in our Mm -hmm. hearts. But Jeremiah 17, 9 says the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things who can understand Mm -hmm. it. Desperately wicked above all things who can understand it. I mean, like that's deep. That's, that's heavy to just sit around and say, whatever my heart desires and whatever I feel like, that's what I'm going to run off and do. Like you said, that's going to lead you into deep, dark slavery type places where I can't escape that because I'm just running around following these fleeting feelings. Right. And that's a dangerous place to be in. Right. So how can we bring that to our student body and say, no, 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 there's truth and there's consistency and not everything is relative. Mm. You know, there is a constant, but yes, there is grace. And you know, we get it. Those day suspensions, that in the student life, like in a student heart, that's like, that can be heavy. Right. And in a family, you know, when you hear little Johnny, you know, has been suspended, your first reaction is like, what? Like that's heavy in the moment. Right. But I would say discipline and discipleship is playing the long game. Right. right. Like how can I best lean into this specific kid? Right. Like what does this kid need? <laughs> mm. And there may be times where this kid needs a little grace. Sure. Man, they, they, they're getting hit with it. Life is coming hard and they are getting hit with it and they're not seeing a lot of grace in that life. Mm. How, how do we come alongside him and say, Hey, this kid needs a little more grace and vice versa. Like, Hey, this kid, this kid, the grace did not wake them up. Right. <laughs> how do we then say, okay, Hey, you need, a, you need a little more truth in this moment. And then there's times where we feel like, Hey, that, that was perfectly balanced, right. you know, but it is constantly like shifting that dial and constantly like, Oh, we, we got to go a little forward here. We got to go yeah. a little back here. And there's never going to be, we've arrived even at that. No, it's always say it's a tension to be managed, not a problem to be solved. Yeah. You know, I knew we had the right person for Dean of girls. We were uh, interviewing a bunch of candidates for yeah. that position. And Sarah Trujillo, uh, when I was interviewing her, I was like, what do girls need to hear right now? Yeah. And she goes first that you have feelings and they are in, they're valid right? and that they are something that you have to deal with. But number two, almost always they're lying to you. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, desperately waking above all things. Yeah. yeah that, that, <laughs> Crazy. That's not always the truth of the situation that you're dealing with is right. what you're feeling. Right. Uh, sometimes what you're feeling is an absolute lie. It's the opposite of what's actually happening. And that's such an important thing to, to wrestle through. And number two, I always say everyone wants discipline in the school. <laughs> Until it's their child. Yeah. That's yeah. The, I, we I, see that on a, almost a day-to-day daily basis. Daily basis um, because it, it's so, it's hard. Right. It really hurts. When it's your kid, it's heavy. And you, you know, when your child hurts, yeah. you hurt. Yeah. And so you see your child hurting because of the consequences of right. their sin. And you want to escape that somehow. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes it's okay to sit in that and then realize that, 
listen, God's grace is bigger than this. Right. Uh, God's grace is stronger than this. He can get you through this. And that you know, this discipline isn't going to crush you. It is not going to kill you. It yeah. feels like it in the moment. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, no discipline feel feels good in the moment. <laughs> right. But it brings about something that is good. Quote in Hebrews that's there. beautiful. Yeah, a paraphrase. <laughs> the living translation sure, or whatever yeah. that. Um, so those are, that's a big aspect of, so that's why I say discipleship and discipline, they're not different. Right. Uh, they're the same thing, even though our world wants to separate those. Uh, the way that we've intentionally done it at Providence is we've said, we're going to put those things uh, together and we're going to live in relationship with that. And yeah. we're going to do that hard, messy work of just living life together. Right. And it's painful. I would say if somebody's in my office, it's probably their worst day. Yeah. And yeah. someone cries, I have like a box of tissues. Someone cries in my office every day. Right. Sometimes it's me. Yeah, uh, me too. <laughs> and that's just part of doing the hard parts of life. Yeah. But if you try to skip that, if you try to like brush that under a rug, put it in a closet and don't deal with it, it's coming. It's coming later. Yeah, it will. And yeah. the consequences will usually be heavier than just a day suspension. Yeah. Yeah. And then, <laughs> then, yeah. When you, when those things, then you're now a leader of a business. Right. And you have right. some ethical issues. Right. And you're like, well, I gosh, cheated. And this has kind of been a life pattern for me. And now I've got some taxes. Maybe I, maybe I've been some corners there. Maybe I, you know, or what in your family, you're the head of your household. You start, you know, doing some things you shouldn't, man, the consequences for that are just, and we see them right all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and they're way heavier than a day suspension. Um, yeah. And so that's a lot of that grace is the truth. Again, the truth without grace is not, it doesn't make not sense truth at all. Right. And, and I hope that like, you know, as we're talking about this, one thing that parents and students are hearing is that we don't walk into discipline conversations with students or parents like flippantly. You know, it's not like, yep, they did this. So they're suspended. See ya. You know, it's like these, these decisions that are made, they're intentional mm. and they take time and they take prayer mm. and they really, we really are stepping forward and saying, Hey, what, what is best going to point this kid to Jesus and mm. what is best going to further, you know, going back to the mission statement thing, what's best going to develop their spiritual maturity, you know, and how is that going to work? And it, again, it's not flipping. It's not just, well, we just feel like doing this today. Like it all is intentional and important. Right. Another thing I'll say is, man, we see a lot of times when it comes to grace and truth, we may at the school balance that well. And sometimes we don't, we, we, right. we make mistakes and we don't always do the discipline the, the, the best way. Like that's sure. reality. Um, but I will say, man, if, if parents and students can carry the conversations that we have in the office with, in regards to discipline and discipleship home, and affirm those same truths that the school is affirming in Loco Parentis, we see that develop, I'm telling you, like I see it practically, tangibly, that development, that spiritual development that that student has and learning from that, from a, a family who may like go home and say like, they were wrong, even like, and, and I can't believe they did it, right? Over on this hand versus family who goes home. And even if they disagree with us, you know, like, we, and we messed up, but go home and affirm to their kiddo, like we support the school, we support the spiritual development they're trying to give to you. 
when the kid comes back from whatever that discipline is and the differences in those two worlds, mm. like you will tangibly see it. Yeah. A kid who goes home and a parent has affirmed and come alongside the school and local apprentice and said, whether we agree with the authority or not, this is what they chose and we're going to lean in. The kid usually, not always, but usually comes back and they've like learned the lesson. Right. I just, I see heart change and I'm not just saying that to say it like it, it's legitimate. Like you see it Mm. and then vice versa. Maybe the kid that comes back and again, maybe the family was frustrated and maybe rightfully so like that can happen and goes home and tells their kid, you know, like, Hey, I don't agree. And they're dumb. I get it. You know, Mm -hmm. the kid comes back and they're in my office the next week. Right. Like I promise you. Yeah. It's (laughs) the beginning of the end. I always say that that aspect of another change that we made in the mission statement was the partnering with parents. Right. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Because we acknowledge as a school that we play a minor role. I would say when you look through God's word, uh, there's not a single school. Not a single school is mentioned. If there was, we would all name our schools that. Yeah. Yeah. And we would do those things. But we don't even get a mention in the Bible. Not once. Uh, we are tertiary players to the first institution, uh, which is the family. Right. And God set that up at the very beginning. And his next institution is the church. And so our job is to come alongside those two institutions. And we cannot overcome yeah. what's happening there. Right. Uh, there's, there's, no, there's no ability for us to be like, oh, we are going to overcome those two God-ordained institutions. Like we can't, that's not what we're designed to do. We can't take that burden upon ourselves. Right. Uh, That would be unhealthy. You know, Kelly and I through, you know, a blessing, I've been able to have two children. Yeah. Uh, I've got Rose who's in third grade and Tim who's in first. And at the end of the times, uh, on the last great day, I'll sit on the judgment seat covered in the blood of Jesus, but I'm going to have to answer to God. He's going to say, did you, do what I told you to. Sure, yeah. Did you teach my yeah, yeah? Did you te- did you teach my children? Yeah. Did you teach your children about me, who I am, my son? Every day, as you walk, as you go along, did it was it happening all the time? And I'll have to answer for those two. Right. Right. Uh, I will not have to answer for all like six hundred kids that are at the school now. Um, yeah. That's not that's not healthy to then take that upon ourselves, but putting that responsibility in the right place. Right. And saying like, all right, parents, you're you're in the driver's seat here. Uh, you're the ones that are in control. You know your children best. And not only that, but God gave them to you. Right. Yeah. And so we're here to, we're here to partner with you. And that partnership is key uh, in our, our ability to do our job of coming alongside them. Yeah, absolutely. And again, not to say that we don't, we, we, we do that perfectly all the time. Like we are going to make mistakes and you may disagree with something that we do or decide and that's okay. Um, and we want to affirm that that's okay. But what does that look like around the dinner table? Right? right. When talking about Providence as an institution or talking about people at Providence, whether it's a teacher or admin or whatever is right. essential to developing some of that spiritual maturity, discipline, discipleship in our student body. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about in doing that all in a relationship is critical. Yeah. Doing, doing discipline outside a relationship is it's almost impossible. It's just, it's just truth. It's like what you said earlier, it's yeah. throwing it the Bible at him and saying, you know, it's pharisaical. Yeah. It's also <laughs> flat. So what are some of the things that we've done over the last couple of years to develop those relationships uh, with our students? What does that look like? What was our first step? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, this has always been something on my heart, you know, is is that's like what makes me tick, right? Mm-hmm. Developing relationship with those kiddos, pointing them to Jesus. That's what gets me up in the morning. Um, mm-hmm. That's my heart. That's my passion. I've always said, yeah, I don't feel like I have a, a calling to like this place or that place or Johnson City even. I have a calling to a people group. And mm. that's what the Lord's given me. And that's youth. Right. Mm. And that's what I'm passionate about. And so, I mean, very early on the, the, me and now, you know, Sarah intentionally choose, you know, six, seven kids that we meet with on a, on a weekly basis, uh, you know, 30 minutes to an hour and just like intentionally disciple them there. And so that's something that we've definitely like taken upon and said, Hey, like you said, we can't reach all 600 kids, no. but who is the Lord putting in front of us that we feel like, Hey, there's a relationship here and I want to pursue that relationship and point them to Jesus. And we pursue those. And out of that concept a few years ago, I was sitting there and I, you know, I had my six or seven, I'm meeting with them weekly and I'm just like, I can't meet with every kid. Right. And it was frustrating to me because I wanted to, right. <laughs> and, you know, so I like upped it to 12 and then I was like just drowning in meetings all the time and not able to do the other essential parts of my job. And so we developed this thing called discipleship groups is what I called them. I used to have a fancy name for it called the foundry. It just didn't really stick. Uh, never, <laughs> it never does. I don't know. I wanted nightcast, like a cool, the, the nightcast. <laughs> yeah. And it happens here. Those things stick. Yeah. But landed on discipleship groups. Just yeah. simple. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, I still want to call it the foundry. It's okay. Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> Maybe one day. But th- that is designed in hopes that the majority of our student body, if not all of our student body, if they want relationship with an adult or even a peer that is older than them, it's available to them. Yeah. And so kind of how those function is it's top-down discipleship. So again, like where me or Mrs. Trujillo cannot meet with every single kid, it's impossible. That's That can't be an expectation that we put on our shoulder. How do we get these kids in front of people that are older than them? And so basically, we have teachers that are over different discipleship groups. And the discipleship groups you know, range from 10 to 15 kids in a, in a group, and they meet bi-weekly. Um, next year, hoping they'll meet every week. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they meet bi-weekly, and they talk about the things that are spoken at chapel previously in that week. And they're led by seniors. Anytime you have student leaders, you know, it may not be like that was the best discipleship group I ever had. Right. But we also want to try to prepare those seniors to step in leadership and own some of the, some of this discipleship. That gives school. a lot of opportunity for leadership development. Right. And cause if you're pouring into those kids each week uh, and then they're not, pouring into someone else. Right. That's not the Christian life. Yeah. Yeah. You're not, you're not making disciples. Right. And and you mentioned that, right? Like they are being poured into, you know, the design of this discipleship group is that those teachers that are over the individual discipleship groups meet with those seniors on the off weeks. They're not meeting in discipleship groups, right? Mm. They may meet before school. They may meet at their lunchtime or maybe their seniors all have a study hall. And that's, that's that teacher's planning period. Like these teachers are taking extra time out of their already busy day to spend some time with three or four seniors and intentionally disciple those three or four seniors. And then those three or four seniors go and they spend time planning. What's the discipleship group going to look like this year? You know, this week, this year, what are we going to talk about? And then they lead the ninth through 11th graders, um, in those discussions. And sometimes you walk in those discipleship groups and they're just hanging out. They brought bagels. And you know what? 
and some people get like frustrated with that. They're like, well, they didn't talk about anything spiritually then. And I'm like, you know how many times Jesus probably sat down with his disciples and just like was ate some fish. I don't know. Ate some, some fish <laughs> and would just be, you know, and different topics come up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know about you. Some of the best conversations I have with my mentors or my friends, um, people pouring into my life happen, not at like a scheduled meeting, but maybe something that's different. Right. Um, it happens outside of that. And you're having this conversation. So that's definitely a way we've leaned in to try to build that discipleship into every single student that we have at Providence. Yeah. I was, uh, I was a young life leader for years and one of the sayings that we had is that every kid is looking for somebody just a little bit older right. to show them how right. to walk with Jesus. Yeah. Because my kids might look at me and say like, well, you know, dad wakes up at 445 <laughs> and he reads his Bible and he exercises. Yeah. And it's like, I don't wake up at 445 because I'm like uber spiritual. Yeah. I do it because I'm old. <laughs> and when you were little kids, you woke me up all the time. Yeah. Uh, and so then it just got you, it, now. it gets you in a weird rhythm and it just right. happens now. And that's unrealistic to think that a 17 year old is going to wake up at 445 in the morning and read his Bible. Yeah. He'll probably fall asleep. They just need more sleep. Their, yeah. their, their systems are all different, but to have somebody that's just a little bit older yeah. to be like, Hey, I, this is how I walk with Jesus. Uh, this is what this looks like for me. Mm-hmm. And I struggle with some of the same things that you're struggling. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be able to relate to a lot of the things that they've got going on. Right. I don't have a TikTok account. I don't, you know, I still think YOLO is a word. Yeah. Uh, like there's, <laughs> yeah. I, I, there's a disconnect that happens there. But when you have a kid that's just a little bit older, they might not be super spiritually mature far along in their walk, but they have one yeah. and they can say, Hey, here's that next step. And you know, what's crazy. And I think a lot of, Parents, teachers, even myself sometimes think that we have to find a common ground to relate in order to disciple these kids. Mm. And I'll tell you something, they don't care. Yeah. They, when they see an adult that genuinely cares about them, that wants to bring Jesus in front of them mm. and take time out of their own schedule again, like that's a, that's a big deal. And to spend time with them, to point them to Jesus, they could care less like about the different things and how you guys are the same. And like, yeah. you would be amazed. They're just so, even the kids that seem like and act like they don't want it, mm. you get into that and they realize that you're committed and they realize that you show up mm. and they don't care. They're just happy to have someone older than them that is pouring into them. And I preach at them all the time. Like, listen guys, starting in eighth grade Bible, you know, I'm like, you need to have someone to step behind you, a step with you and a step ahead of you. Mm. Right. Like you need to have someone that you're looking back at and saying, come, come along, you know, come with me. You know, I tell the eighth graders, I'm like, that may be a seventh grader, sixth grader, fifth grader. You don't really get to choose that sometimes because you're the older person and they're just naturally going to look up to you, but then have someone to step with you. You know, someone who you can do life with, someone who is going through the same struggles, the same steps as you, the same maturing process as you, those that might be your close friends, you know, your buddy buddies, but then have someone a step ahead of you, someone who's looking back, looking back at you and saying, come along, come with. Um, and that's what we really want to ingrain in our kids and the discipleship group system really, I think helps with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's again, it's all about living in Christian community. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's not easy. Right. Uh, and you have to be intentional. Yeah. It's not going to happen just naturally. Right. Uh, if you throw a bunch of people in a room and just say like, all right, make it work. Right. Uh, it, those things aren't going to come out very well. Yeah. Uh, but when you're intentionally you're saying, okay, this is what these kids need. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's put to in some systems that are going to encourage these types of behaviors that we know are going to be good for them. Right. That we know that God's called us to. Now, it's not going to hit everybody. No. 
No. You know, some kids might be like, man, my discipleship group, I don't connect with those guys at all. Okay. And that happens. Yeah. And there's other avenues uh, to connect in. Um, Right. But it captures a lot. And do something. You know, (laughs) sometimes it's like show up, do something. Absolutely. And again, anytime you have something that's student led, you know, they're learning. They're right. young. Like we're, we're, yes, we're discipling the seniors, but we're also like asking the seniors a lot like, Hey, now go lead your peers right. and they're going to mess up. They might get up there and they're going to say something stupid. And it's like, we come alongside and we're like, that's okay. Right. <laughs> How can we do this better? We're protecting against like heresy. And exactly. A hundred percent. Like we're not, you know, if we got to go into the establishment group and be like, Hey, so-and-so said this last week. That's not true. Let's talk about it. Yeah, you know, yeah. we, we do that. We lean in. And that's why we have yeah. those teachers in that group too. No one's right? like tossing any like apocrypha no. books around or anything no, like that. No, no, we're not reading the gospel of Thomas, no, you know? No. Um, and that's why we have those teachers in those rooms yeah. with them and they're listening and they'll step in when they need to. Right. Like, but and, we're going to let the kids great. fall on their face a little bit too. Absolutely. And it's important. Messing up. You have to be, uh, you have to be okay with failing. Right. You have to be okay with messing up. Right. And then getting back up and doing it again. Yeah. And, and you talked about community and another thing that discipleship groups do, not just disciple the kids, but it also the intergrade community that is developed that we've seen from mm-hmm. these groups is great. Now let's talk a little bit about uh, the house system. Yeah. Uh, a couple of years ago, you came to me and you were like, I want to do this house system. <laughs> and I was like, it felt a little Hogwarts-ish for me. <laughs> And, but Some people were, said it was. You were you were jazzed about it. <laughs> I was excited, and I was like, "All right, like I trust you. Like, go for it, do it." And I think it's become one of the best things about our school. So, tell me a little bit about what that looks like and how that plays out at the school. Yeah, I think the majority of our students love it. You know, there's there's some that don't like it and they wish they still had SGA or just wish we didn't do anything. Just so yeah, leave me cool. alone. <laughs> some, sometimes a kid's just going to be too cool for school yeah. in their own mind, and that's okay. That's part of the process. I don't want to be too. an orca, you yeah. know. But um, yeah, that came out of I was looking. And we had already developed the stopship groups for a year. And, you know, you're still looking and like, how can we continue to develop community? Hmm. You know, as God is triune. So we are supposed to be in community. How can we continue to lead this into our student body? Um, and how can we really create that intergrade connection? How do we get the ninth graders to know the seniors better? How do we get the sophomores to know the juniors better? And so on and so on. And then we had a great system in place, SGA, Student Government Association. It was great. It was functioning. But it also seemed to kind of have run its course. Um, And Mrs. Ferguson did a phenomenal job leading that organization. But at the end of its run, like we were having a hard time getting students to want to be in those leadership roles. And so like, how can we pump some new blood, some new life into leadership roles at Providence Academy? And so we looked at some other schools, what they were doing and this concept and idea of house system and talked to a few schools about it. And they were like, yeah, it's been awesome. It's been great. Mm. Um, and so we stole some ideas, of course, you yeah. know, Hey, Thank don't recreate steal. the wheel all the time. Uh, Mr. David Heiser, our high school principal comes from a school that had developed a house system. And so he was helpful along, you know, the line and the path. I was able, always able to ask him questions, but we got four houses, Sola Gratia and Grace alone. They are the foxes. And they okay. actually just won. So they're pretty jazzed about that. Yeah, they got when you win the house cup, what happens? Oh, the house cup's awesome, first yeah, of all. Let's just pause there. I went to the trophy shop and I was like, hey, give me the biggest cup you have. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> got the biggest cup. Um, um, but they get to go to Dollywood. There you go. So it's a big Gotta incentive there at the end. You get a day off of school and you get to go to Dollywood. Yeah. And we did. With all your friends. In fact, Tyner Simpson rode his first ever roller coaster. Okay. Never had ridden a roller coaster before this. 
Hashtag it happens here. Happens here. Uh, um, <laughs> so, I, and here's a one piece that I think is important, a, a philosophy that we have is that Providence Academy is probably one of the hardest academic schools yeah, in sure. our area. Yeah. Our kids work really, really hard, you know, all the way through. Uh, I've got a third grader. She works hard. I got a first grader. He works hard. Yeah. Um, it should also be the most fun place. Yeah. And it's full of kids. We should have a blast. We should put as much energy as we can in enjoying each other. Right. Uh, and building that community. God didn't call us to a miserable uh, life lived alone. Right. Yeah. Uh, God called us to joy. Uh, that's one of the, you know, fruits of the spirit. Yeah. And so we're one of the only schools that can really have that in truth. Uh communally or as a, as an institution, yeah. uh, because we can look back on that. So I, I feel like this house system is a big part of that, that joy aspect. Yeah. It makes uh, us a little pre- different. Yeah. We have house competitions this year. We did them once a quarter major house competitions. We like took the afternoon after lunch and we did, gosh, there was like a, a, a we started at Doe River Gorge with the adventure race, but then there was like a relay. There was a kickball tournament that the kids loved. And then we did a lip sync battle, um, which was just hilarious. Yeah. So yeah, just have a good time, earn some points, yeah. you know, and I feel like the kids really bought in on it and that, that creates some community and some relationships with kids that you right. might not have ever built a relationship with otherwise. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, kind of forces you outside of your usual comfort zone of whatever sport you're in or whatever activity you're in, because those relationships are built in drama and chorus and athletics yeah. and robotics and all those things. But we wanted to try to force to mix those groups a little bit to say like, Hey, mm-hmm. you, you might not have had an opportunity to be a friends with this kid in robotics class if sure. you're on the basketball team. But when you did this event together, you really actually realized you had a lot in common. And one thing that is cool about this, and mostly this was probably Michael Burns, Coach Burns, like pushing his basketball team to do this. Um, but as part of me like wants to put a little bit like, hey, you know, we put the the basketball team in the Christus Lions house, hmm. the boys, right? right. The, they were the Lions. But then we intentionally chose the girls in that house where a lot of the girls that were in, involved in drama and chorus and things like that. And so they got to know each other a little bit. And Coach Burns and Mrs. Burns were like, hey, boys, you should think about being in the play. And obviously they think so highly coach Burns, they'd probably do anything that he told them to do. (laughs) And so they were like, yeah, but I just, you know, they were, I think able to easily like move into that role and be involved in chorus and be involved in drama a little bit because they had built relationships with some of the girls that were already in the drama and chorus program. Right. So it was really cool to see those connections be made. Branch out, try new things. Yeah, uh, We don't want kids specializing in stuff at Providence. In high school, it's time to try a bunch of different stuff. Right, uh, absolutely. Try different sports, try different arts programs, robotics, whatever. Uh, we want you trying things outside your comfort zone. I feel yeah. like the house system inadvertently kind of forced some of those things or encouraged some of those things to, to happen. Right. So when we kick off the house system, uh, we do something at the beginning of the year that's pretty unique. We yeah. go on a retreat to Dover Gorge for three days. So tell me a yeah. little, give us a snapshot. What does that, what does that look like? That is probably one of the funnest events that we do. Not probably. I mean, it is, yeah. you know, talking to students after the event, there's been many that have said like that changed my life. Mm. Like that drew me so closer to the other people at Providence Academy, but also to the Lord. And uh, so what we do at that event um, is we take three days off of school and we go and we set a tone. And we say, this is what we're going to be about this year. And it's really two things. We're going to be about community. 
You know, that's where the house system and doing the amazing race comes into play at No River Gorge and just lake time and being together for three days, 24-7 for those relationships so quickly. But then also to say, we're going to be about worship. We're going to be about wanting to know Jesus more. Mm. And so it's one of those things that makes Providence Academy distinctly different is that we start the school year saying, hey, we're going to take three days and every night we're going to worship together. We're going to dive into the word together. And then we're going to get in our discipleship groups and we're going to talk and we're going to go deeper together Mm. for three nights. And I mean, it's just, it's phenomenal to see, you know, Mm -hmm. to walk into that big top tent at Dover Gores, this big meeting place that these worship sessions happen at and to just like look over the crowd and see these students who feel comfortable in that moment, just like raising their hands and worshiping to the Lord, you know, totally undignified, like don't care what their peers are thinking about um, and just growing in their faith during Mm -hmm. those three days. It just makes it everything worth it. Mm. It just resets you and says, oh, this is, this is what we're about. Mm. This is primary. So that event is just, I love it. Look yeah. forward to it every year. I've already had a few kids this year. Uh, at the end of the year, we were at Dollywood and I was talking to him at one of the roller coaster lines, which I don't know why I was riding roller coasters. So getting a little old for that. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, they were just like, man, I cannot wait for Doe River next year. And I'm like, yo, that's uh, like three months away. And they're like, can't wait. Yeah. That's a great event. I'm glad we, do it. And so yeah. all those things kind of come together to to bring us back around to that developing spiritual maturity. Yeah. Uh, and those are all tools that we have. And as things grow and as things change, those tools will have to change. Absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of things about kids that are fundamentally the same and always will <laughs> yeah. uh, and always have been, but also kids need different things in different moments. Right. Uh, and so we have to be able to make adjustments to be able to say like, hey, this is something different that we need to do yeah. uh, to be able to reach kids where they're at right now. Maybe this is something that needs to fall away. Maybe this is something that we need to add on. And we're always trying to keep our finger on that pulse as best we can mm-hmm. uh, and be looking at best practices and other schools and what are they doing and, right. and what's happening. But right now that's kind of, this is where we've landed with some of these new programs. And I think that they have been really effective. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to see the fruit that's going to come from that from the years to come and uh, the difference that that's going to make in kids' lives. Yeah. I'd love to see kids, like, they graduate three years from now, and it's like you run into someone else at Providence, or you stop by and you come back, and you're like, what house are you in? Right. And the kid's like, I'm a lion. They're like, ah, man, I'm a fox. (laughs) You know, I'd love to see that kind of carry on and develop community even after. You have a tie, you have a connection back to say, yeah, yeah, I was a fox, you know, oh yeah, I was a lion, I was an orca. The number of kids that graduate from Providence Academy and still have a relationship with the kids that they went to school from with there's, there's not a lot of places where you go from preschool all the way to your senior year together. Some Uh, of the same people. Some of the same yeah. people and you build really deep relationships uh, that way, living in community right. uh, in that way. And so this is another this is another tool that we have to be able to make those relationships truer, uh, to be able to provide a place where you can be vulnerable uh, and that you can be encouraged and you can encourage others. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I think that that kind of wraps up our, our podcast today. And uh, so thank you guys for joining us for the Nightcast. And uh, Spallet, thank you for being our uh, our first hey, guest. Happy to do it. It's yeah. awesome. And uh, we'll we'll catch you next time. All right. Thanks. Mm-hmm.